Gilman family, welcome to this episode of Continuing the Conversation podcast from the Skillman Church of Christ. This is one of your co-hosts, John Mark Davidson, recording from my home studio, aka my bedroom in my house. My good friend and fellow co-host, Jake Jacobson, he's at his house. And uh, because of these strange and unique times that we are living in, uh, we couldn't get together today. So what we thought we would do is we would upload a podcast episode that we recorded a few weeks ago, but never, ever aired. Uh, it's been in our vault, and we thought today we would unearth this episode. Uh, this is a conversation that took place with our live audience on Wednesdays back when we used to meet together uh, in the Rotunda. And this is a conversation about faith found in the Cain and Abel story. We had been really in a season of learning about faith. Uh, how to be people of faith, and through that we were reading Hebrews chapter 11. And there's a reference in that chapter to the faith of Abel. So we spent some time uh, on this episode digging into this particular story. And uh, so without any further ado, let me press play on this past episode. This is called Faith in the Cain and Abel Story. God bless, stay safe, and keep washing those hands. And I'm here with my good friend Jake Jacobson. Hello, hello. This is uh, John Mark Davidson. Uh, we are back at it this Wednesday, talking about faith, talking about spirituality, and we are so happy that you are joining us wherever you are. Absolutely. So uh, Jake and I thought we'd do something crazy today. And well, we don't it's know, crazy. We don't know it's how, out there. We don't know how well it will turn out. But uh, basically, we just decided, hey, we're just going to come in with an idea not a lot of preparation, but an, an idea. No questions, no, yeah. no, no paper in front of us. <laughs> And uh, we haven't really prepared for this per se. We have been preparing our whole life for this, but specifically we haven't done much preparation. But we thought we'd start with this an idea and we would just riff and just see what happens. That's right. And just let the conversation roll and let the conversation take form and really uh, just, see, just really see what happens with this. So uh, we thought we would cover the Cain and Abel story in Hebrews chapter 11 and really dive deep into this particular story and uh, read it and then let the conversation flow. Yeah. So John Mark, uh, I mean, we know why we chose this story, but tell the listeners, why did we choose this story? Why did we choose Cain and Abel? Well, that's a great question, man. Uh, well, first of all, it's the first ever murder mystery. Well, it's, it's, not, really, it's not really a mystery. We know, who, we know who done it. That's right. We know who done it. But uh, here at the Skillman Church of Christ, we have been in a season where we are studying faith. Uh, what does it mean to be a person of faith? What does it look like? We've talked about how faith isn't just something that remains in our brain. It's not just a set of ideals that we believe in. I mean, it's part of it, but faith is a verb. It's, you know, faithing. You had that sermon mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, not too long ago. Uh, or faithfulness is a, maybe another translation because uh, what we are called to is the beliefs that we have, the convictions, what we put our hope in actually impacts how we live, the choices that we make. And so we've been in this series on Hebrews chapter 11, going verse by verse, but we can't hit all of the topics. We can't hit all the stories. And so we did gloss over this particular story of Cain and Abel. And, uh, but there's some good meat here. Oh, yeah. And we thought we would just kind of just open it up and read the story. And this would be another avenue to kind of explore another version of faith. So, man, are you, are you, what do you think? Is it going to be a good idea? Well, <laughs> you know, I was definitely intrigued when you decided to preach a sermon on Enoch. 
because <laughs> there's all of like two verses in I know, the Bible man. on Enoch. I did a whole 38 minutes on two verses. That's, That's right. <laughs> but then I didn't feel as bad about it because uh, I realized that right before that, I preached a sermon on a pronoun. So I basically oh. <laughs> preached a, a sermon on the word he or she, you know, like. Uh, so, yeah, you did so a good job. Though. Yeah. Uh, that shows up all over the Bible, but I'm not sure yeah. that there's a lot of depth to it. You know, you, yeah, yeah. You only had two verses, but there was a little oh, bit more man. depth You're to right, those two were. verses than to the to the pronoun he or she. You know? <laughs> so I guess uh, I guess it's okay. But yeah, this is, this is gonna be interesting because Cain yeah. and Abel uh, is a story that, uh, especially if you grew up in church, you're, mm-hmm. you're probably somewhat more familiar with. Uh, probably have some idea of what goes on in the story. You know, you, you maybe heard it in a children's class. You mm-hmm. you, you had a, a VBS that was all about. Uh, uh, the creation story and, and, and you know something, mm-hmm. something like that. And so somewhere in, in the past, in, in the recess, you've heard this story. If you're exactly. like me, uh, it's not your daily devotional. <laughs> this is not the kind of story that you want to start your yeah. day at 6 a.m., your alarm goes off, you get a cup of coffee, and you're like, man, I want to be encouraged today. I want to know what it means, uh, what, what, what I should do today to follow Jesus. Yes, yes. I'm going to open up to Genesis chapter 4. <laughs> I don't think that's very many people's experience. That's uh, so true. It's probably that's a story true. that we haven't really revisited uh, much. Uh, yes. you know, we read it maybe at the beginning of every year if, we, if we're trying to read through the Bible, and uh, we kind of move on and forget about it. Everybody gets to Genesis chapter 4 in their yearly Bible reading, right? I mean, when you, when you begin the new year and say, I'm going to read the whole Bible, usually we hit Genesis 4. It's usually in Exodus when people trickle away, <laughs> trickle away our numbers. So many of us in our commitment to read scripture have probably read this several times, mm-hmm. you know, this particular text. But, you know, we'll, we're going to start this in, he, in Hebrews 11. Uh, we're going to look uh, and go ahead and read uh, this particular text in Hebrews chapter 11. And then, you know, we'll, we may end up in Genesis and who knows where we'll end up, man. That's right. But that's uh, right. again, that's part of the fun. <laughs> But uh, this particular story in Hebrews 11 takes place in verses 4 through, uh, well, just four, <laughs> one verse. Yeah. <laughs> and just, just one verse. And so I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then I want to get your take on it, Jake, and okay. let's just see what happens. But it says, uh, in looking at this idea of faith, and I'll, I'll go ahead and start in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 11. But it says, and this is the New International Version that I'm reading from, but it says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. And here we are in verse four. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. All right, let's stop right there. Jake, <laughs> when I read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, what's something that stood out to you about the faith of Abel? So one thing that, uh, uh, you know, you mentioned that we've been preparing for this, not necessarily today, uh, mm-hmm. this week, but we've been preparing for this. We've been thinking about uh, you know, the Bible, thinking about scripture mm-hmm. uh, for a long time in, in the course of our study and, mm-hmm. and uh, education and things like that. And one thing that uh, stands out that I, I remember is, uh, you know, we read this word in verse four uh, that Abel was shown to be righteous. Mm. Yes. And that word righteous uh, has a, a very close parallel in its original language that doesn't always come through in English, but righteousness and justice. Mm, uh, in right. Hebrew, especially, is the same word. I believe it's the same in, in Greek. 
uh, oh, yeah. as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Someone needs to fact check me on that one, but uh, I know for certain it is in Hebrew, and I'm yeah. trying to remember uh, about, about the Greek, but yeah, the Greek. Yeah. Uh, there's this relationship between those two words of righteousness and justice. And so yes. it's interesting that uh, you know, in this translation, it says that Abel is shown to be righteous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time, when you look back on that story uh, mm-hmm. of Cain and Abel, mm-hmm. uh, what happens to Abel because of his righteousness yeah. is injustice. That's true. And so that, that, just with that one word, we kind of have a, uh, yeah. uh, there, there's something going on there because. A play on words really, yeah. it's, it's almost like a, an irony. It was almost like he's, right. he was a victim of injustice, mm-hmm. but he is an example of justice. Yeah. That's a really good point. Man. Yeah, so that. Uh, that, that stands out to me. And then, of course, uh, the, the end of this verse is a little mm-hmm. enigmatic to me. So I'm, I'm going to throw it back on you and, uh, <laughs> and ask you what you think about the, the very last phrase of this verse uh, that says, Though he died, uh, he is still speaking through faith. Uh, so it, it's a little ambiguous there, ambiguous. and I think uh, maybe even intentionally because yes. who's the he? Is the exactly. he uh, uh, able, mm-hmm. uh, or perhaps is the he supposed to mean two people just by using that pronoun, yeah. Jesus and Abel? Oh, wow. Uh, so, wow. but anyways, t- tell us what you think that phrase means, and if if you have any thoughts on the on the the, the pronoun he. Feel free to throw yeah. that in too. Well, you know, that's a great point. I've always read it as referring to Abel, but I do like this idea that you just mentioned about also referring to Jesus. You know, when I first, traditionally, my interpretation of this particular verse was always the legacy of Abel. I mean, this took place in Genesis chapter 4. Uh, he, but the story of Abel and the offering that he presented to God hasn't been forgotten. And so I've always interpreted this particular verse, and, and maybe I need to rethink it now that you bring up this idea of, of what does the he stand for. Mm-hmm. But what I've always thought about it is the certain the choices that we make, the decisions that we choose to do in our life, they have lasting impact. You know, they, they still speak even after we, we die. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, and Abel is an example of that where his choice and the, the sacrifice that he offered to God, which, which was pleasing to God, his attitude in offering that sacrifice is one that preaches to us even now as we give and offer things to our God. You know, when we sing or when we pray or when, even when we do a, a service project and things that we are doing in hopes of connecting with the divine or joining with God and what God is up to in the world, what do we learn from Abel and what can it still speak to us today? But look, man, teach me, brother, because you, know, you may have a different interpretation on this. Because I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about that different yeah. he. Do you, do you have a different interpretation? Well, I, I think I think that uh, what you have just laid out is what the text is intending mm. to say. I think that's mm-hmm. what the author of Hebrews uh, wants us to understand uh, is that Abel uh, is still his life is still a leg, his legacy of faithfulness of mm-hmm. uh, uh, of living in such a way that he's considered mm-hmm. righteous. That that's what still speaks to us. Yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I do kind of sometimes like to uh, read scripture through the lens of. Uh, trying to get a secondary meaning, mm-hmm. and I think uh, for for me personally, the prophets mm-hmm. are the best place to do this. Yeah, uh, it, it happens all throughout Scripture, but uh, I particularly, personally, really mm-hmm. like to read it in the prophets when yeah. you read something that sounds like uh, it's referring to someone specific, yeah, uh, and yet the specific person is not necessarily mentioned or Ooh, yes. Uh, uh, so you know this happens in, in places like mm-hmm. Isaiah. Uh, there are a handful of passages that are known as the suffering servant passages. Oh yeah, uh, that come yes. towards the end of the book of Isaiah, chapters mm-hmm. 40, uh, 50, so, you know, yes. in, in those ranges. There's yeah. about four of them uh, mm-hmm. that happen mm-hmm. uh, throughout a, a, about a ten chapter window. Yes, known as the suffering servant passages, and they always are referring to a he. 
Yes. But the yeah. he is never named. You're right. You're right. Uh, and so mm-hmm. if you look back in history, you can probably figure out that there might be a clue as to yeah. uh, this person or, or that person mm-hmm. or this leader or uh, whatever. But yeah. uh, the text, Isaiah, never specifically says. Interesting. And so uh, sometimes what I like to do is, is when, when I have the opportunity and when it fits, and you, you do have to discern. Yes. You, know, you can't yes. just do it to every he in the Bible. Uh, <laughs> but you can discern and say, does this... Uh, could yeah. this have a, a, another meaning, a deeper meaning, yeah. a second meaning, yeah. where the, the author intended this first meaning? Exactly. Uh, but because of Jesus, we can read perhaps a second uh, meaning. Mm-hmm. And so those suffering mm-hmm. servant passages, the gospel writers will take those yes. and they'll say, look, uh, you know, Isaiah was talking about somebody else, but now look what's happening yeah. with Jesus. Here's a second exactly. meaning. You know, reading through the lens of Jesus that he can take new meaning mm-hmm. and new life and uh, really have new significance. Man, that's, that's fantastic, man. Yeah, I love right. that. It's probably not right, you know, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, it brings, it brings life to a passage. Right. You know, it really kind of makes, it makes your mind, uh, take it to a different place where there's a new perspective and a new message can be given. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. And I, mean, I do have a question about specifically Cain and Abel because, okay. uh, okay. you know, in verse four, it says that by faith, which I think that's an intentional, of course, that, that phrase by faith is what the author of Hebrews uses to begin every verse. So mm-hmm. obviously it's a literary mechanism uh, to, to generate meaning and also a flow. It's, a, it's almost a poetic way mm-hmm. that Hebrews 11 is, is, is uh, presented. But it says, by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little bit curious about, about that because, and we may have to go back and read the original story mm-hmm. in Genesis chapter four. But from what I understand from my memory, is that Abel, he was the, uh, he offered animal sacrifice, which was with blood and which we later see in the later Old Testament, sacrifices offered to God were almost very similar to Abel's. But then you have Cain, who was the farmer, right? You had the vegetables and the plants, and he offered that, and I remember correctly, we may read it back just to double check, but both of them were, were pleasing to God. Both of them were pleasing in God's sight. But why do you think, in this particular text, uh, Abel's sacrifice was better than Cain's? Mm. Well, so it's an interesting question uh, in some ways because, uh, uh, you know, we, we always read Cain as the enemy in the story. He's the bad guy. Yeah. Uh, it's, hard, it's hard not to read it that way when he, uh, yeah. it's, the first, it's the first murder in the Bible, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, just to, to uh, for a moment, mm-hmm. uh, to try, try to be on Cain's side for just half a second, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, won't, I, won't, I probably won't stay there. Let's but, step in Cain's shoes for, right. for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. I probably won't stay there, but yeah. uh, just to try to understand what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, way, the way the story reads, the way that we have the scriptures uh, uh given to us, the way that Mm -hmm. uh, this story would have been understood, uh, even Cain living it out himself. I mean, he is living uh, in what we call Mm -hmm. prehistory. And and what we mean by that is uh, this is the very beginning. Uh, And so there's, there's no, there's no history before. I mean, this is the very first story, you know, it's oh, like we've yeah. got Adam and Eve, we've got the garden and now we've got Cain and Abel Abel. and there's nothing before this, exactly. uh, you know? And so Mm -hmm. uh, as Cain is offering the sacrifice, he, uh, at least the way that we read the story, there is no prior instructions mm-hmm. given. Exactly. Uh, there's yeah. nothing given uh, mm-hmm. ahead of this that mm-hmm. says uh, how, how to offer a sacrifice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so Abel uh, offers something that 
makes sense to him because he's he's the the herder. He's the one who's working with the yeah. animals. Yeah. And Cain offers something that makes sense to him because he's the one who's farming, who's uh, tilling the soil. Mm-hmm. And really, in fact, if you read uh, the story, it's kind mm-hmm. of interesting the way that this this happens. Yeah. yeah. Because what happens in Genesis chapter three? Yeah. Is uh, God curses the ground. Oh yes. Uh, and, and so the ground is now this difficult thing mm-hmm. that uh, that Adam and Eve and their descendants will have to work with. And so Cain is working Wrestle with this with, difficult. Yeah. Uh, he, he's working in a fallen, broken world, a broken system. The world is, uh, the creation is not doing what it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cain is the one who's having to deal with these consequences. Oh, yeah. That's uh, right. Now. Uh, and he didn't eat the apple. He didn't the fruit, eat the apple. The fruit. Yeah, the fruit. Uh, yeah, it could have been an orange <laughs> yeah, it could have been or banana or it's, it's, it's important to note, man. It never says it was an apple. That's right. Yeah. It never says it was an apple. Uh so he, he's working. He's working with the hardest, you know, one of the hardest yeah. things that he can. It, this, mm-hmm. It's this broken uh, thing that that's been cursed mm-hmm. uh, as a result of his parents' actions. Yes. And uh, with Abel, uh, we don't yet know uh, mm-hmm. because we haven't gotten to Noah's story yet. Yes. Uh, in yes. Noah's story is when uh, it now becomes acceptable at the end of Noah's story for mm-hmm. for humanity uh, to eat meat, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so to sacrifice something. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's the purpose of it? Yeah, because oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. a sacrifice in the ancient world was the thinking was that yeah. this is a meal for the gods. This exactly, is, this is a gift for them, so they they will have sustenance, they will be sustained. Yes, so, and it has to hurt a little bit, right? Because yeah. I mean, a sacrifice in and of itself is something that you that you would that you are giving in place of your own your own self. Which that's interesting too. Yeah. That at that point, you know, that, that wasn't a part of the, the uh, routine. Yeah. So so, so to, let me get to the point because yeah. I've gone on this long. Well, I'm, I'm interested, man. You got me on a hook, man. <laughs> Yeah. So it's it, it's almost like a, a twist in the story. You wouldn't expect the story mm-hmm. to end this way because mm-hmm. there's no reason to kill an animal mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. There, there's no humanity doesn't have the ability to eat animals yeah. Uh, yeah. because we haven't gotten to Noah's story yet, the flood. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and so animals are still part of the creation. They're still part mm-hmm. of what God has created. And so to kill one, it, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it's almost like is mm-hmm. Abel the first murderer? Oh, in the Bible. Yeah. You heard it first here. Uh-oh. <laughs> can it continue the conversation podcast? You heard it first, man. That's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. But but as, as the story goes, mm-hmm. uh, Abel's sacrifice is more pleasing to God than Cain's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what is going to lead into this further bloodshed later on in the story. But yeah, uh, but yeah. it's interesting because it, if, you're, if, if you're reading this for the first time yeah. uh, and, and you come to this, you, you might think, Shouldn't the roles be reversed? Shouldn't Cain's yeah. offering be acceptable? Because he's the one who's dealing with the cursed ground, the one who's tilling mm-hmm. the land, the one who's doing what God has now said humanity is supposed to do, and he's giving a sacrifice. Yes, yes. Uh, and there's no reason to kill animals yet, and Abel kills this animal to give to God, and that yeah. turns out to be the more pleasing yeah. sacrifice. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, so why do you think it was more pleasing to God? I mean, do you, do you have an idea of why, uh, in your opinion, that between the two, that God viewed Abel's sacrifice as more pleasing than Cain's? Well, I, ha- I have an idea. I don't know that it's a good idea, and I don't know that it's an idea that people will like. Well, man, <laughs> let, me, let me read the story real quick. Let me read sure. in Genesis 4, yeah. and then I want to hear your idea, okay. you know, kind of based on it. But, you know, this all takes place in Hebrews 11. It's referring to a story that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 4. And as we know, Genesis 1 and 2 are the creation stories. And then you have Genesis 3, which tells the story of the fall of man. And there's, there's so much symbolism here and so much meaning. You know, the, the words in Hebrew... There, it's telling a bigger story of, of almost like what it's like to be human in some senses, uh, where we emerge from and how we got to where we are. And so we get to Genesis chapter uh, 4, where it talks about Cain and Abel, and I'll, I'll start in verse uh, 2, where it says, Later, 
she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. So Abel was the farmer, <laughs> well, the, the livestock guy, and Cain worked the soil, just like you were talking about. Yeah, he's, was, he's the rancher, yeah. and, uh, and, and uh, Cain is the farmer. That's right, the rancher and the farmer, exactly. Uh, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Here we are, the first murder in, uh, recorded in human history as in the in scriptures. So, you know, this tells kind of the background to Hebrews chapter 11 and the faith that was so pleasing to God that Abel had. But man, again, I'm tossing it back to you, Jake. I'm interested to hear your theory uh, why was Abel's sacrifice to God more pleasing than Cain's? <clears throat> okay, so uh, I'll, I'll give I'll give a response. Uh, I'm not claiming it's the right one. Ooh, I'm just going to give a response. Yeah, all uh, right. And then if you want to respond to it or, or give an alternate response, okay, I'll invite you to do that. And we do have a well. live studio audience as that's well, right. so you know if if uh, maybe, if maybe they've else, got something for us yeah, as well. That's right. We'll, we'll check it out. Okay, so uh, the wrong answer, but the one that I'm going to give uh, is <laughs> right off the bat. You're saying, well, I don't know. Who knows, right? You know, yeah. I'm just guessing yeah. here, but uh, yeah. uh, it's possible mm -hmm. uh, that uh, this is what uh, is sometimes referred to as a redaction. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, a redaction simply means that uh, the story was written or copied or uh, something like that later on down the line, yeah. and in order to give an explanation for what happened, uh, they they wrote into the story. What uh, what was what the the current writer yeah, uh, yeah. understood to try to make sense of the mm -hmm, story. So mm -hmm. they're redacting the story, they're changing it, uh, they're adding to it, uh, or or they're trying to make sense of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so the reason that this is possible is because uh, it's not until two books later in the book of Leviticus yeah. oh, that yeah. the uh, the the reasons for giving offerings mm -hmm. is finally given. Mm -hmm. And uh, and mm -hmm. so that, that's why I say this is a possibility. You're right. Is it could that, be. Uh, when we get to Leviticus, uh, after Mount Sinai, when the people have received the law from God and Moses has yeah. uh, spent all those days, 40 days and nights on the, on the, on the mountaintop yeah, uh, yeah. with God, uh, getting these laws, uh, that now they have the, the understanding uh, mm -hmm. to say, this is why mm -hmm. uh, this uh, makes sense. Because now we have all these different examples of different offerings uh, yeah. that, that the Lord yeah. has invited the people to give. And yes. so uh, yes. one of the very first offerings is the entirely burned offering. Mm. And this is the offering mm -hmm. in Leviticus chapter one mm -hmm. uh, that that matches the type of offering that Abel gives. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, the, the entirely yeah. burnt offering. Now, there's yeah. also another offering, the grain yeah. offering, mm -hmm. uh, and, and this doesn't match uh, perfect mm -hmm. uh, perfectly with with, with Cain's yeah. because it's it's talking about the fruit of the soil, uh, yeah, the first fruit of the soil versus grains. Uh, yeah. So, but uh, the idea of you know if we're if we're going along with our rancher and farmer theme, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's possible that that, is possible. Uh, that as they are recording the story later on in history, yeah, uh, this oral story that later was written down, oh, yeah. yeah, they're trying Passed to make out. sense of why this would be the case. Why would 
would this offering be more mm-hmm. pleasing to God? Yes. Uh, and so they're looking at it through the lens that they've already understood because of yeah. they've read Leviticus. They know Leviticus yes, one exactly. And so now yeah. they understand looking back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's the wrong answer, right? Hey, I think that means. <laughs> I I don't think that's. I mean, it's. it's I, I think that's worthy of talking about. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Yeah. I mean, kind of. Uh, you have the Leviticus. The way that we know that the way the Bible was was written. You know, you have the people of Israel were were living and as a community and they were living as a community before the whole scripture was written, you know, mm-hmm. so there had to be some understanding of this is how we do things. Why do we do what we do? Mm-hmm. It's a very, uh, it's not out of the, out of this world, man. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, do you, do you have any other p- potential options for us? Well, I mean, uh, I think, uh, well, here's the truth about this. I, I feel no one knows right fully, right? Because the Bible does not say why Abel's, sacrifice was more pleasing to Cain's. So it doesn't explicitly say, and so everything that we we say is just uh, an idea or it's a conjecture. So I mean, your yeah, idea- It's just a guess. Yes, right? it's a guess, right? And you know, I think traditionally uh, people have looked at this text, Abel and Cain, and just in and of itself, if you were to read it, it wouldn't have the answers, but you have to look at other parts of the scripture. And I think the traditional response has been you know, to look at you know, the text in uh, Proverbs, I think uh, 21, 27, where it says uh, the, fa- the sacrifice of the wicked is detestable. How much more so when brought with evil intent? Mm-hmm. So I think what, what has been traditionally done, right, is we read that verse in Proverbs and that makes, well, this is a sacrifice that God doesn't like. So obviously, going back to Cain, he must have had an evil intent. Yeah. Well, it helps make sense too of uh, when God speaks in verse seven, yeah. right? He says sin is is crouching at the door; it's it's waiting, uh, yeah. right? And so yeah. uh, it helps make sense of that potentially too that mm-hmm. uh, that this sacrifice was made in sin, uh, yeah. or, or or with sin on the horizon, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. God yeah. sees through the uh, the the fake action uh, yeah. of the sacrifice, and he yeah. it, it really has nothing to do with what is sacrificed, and mm-hmm. it has more to do with the intention uh, yeah. behind the sacrifice. Yeah. Abel simply perhaps gives a sacrifice because he uh, he loves God and wants wants to do something to show his mm-hmm. uh, his reverence of God mm-hmm. uh, whereas Cain maybe makes a sacrifice because he's trying to appease God because he knows that yeah. uh, oh I better do this so that I can get away with yeah uh, whatever yeah. other action I want to yeah. do I mean like that that's kind of what the traditional response is but again we're reading into the text a mm-hmm. lot right because it doesn't explicitly say Cain's intent uh, all we know is that Abel's offering was more pleasing to God. And we, like you said, there's the later verses where it talks about sin crouching at the door. And so, you know, that might be reference to maybe his motivation. Then you take texts like in Proverbs where it says, you know, there are offerings that are detestable to God. Uh, and those usually have to do with the heart, the, the, the inner motivation behind. I mean, it's almost like in Amos. I love that text in Amos mm-hmm. yeah. where it talks about... Uh, What's that? How's it go again, man? Uh, I detest your yeah. uh, your religious festivals. Yeah, I detest your religious festivals. I mean, it's saying, basically in Amos, because in that particular text, Amos chapter 5, uh, the, the prophet Amos speaking to the people of Israel who have neglected to take care of the poor, neglected to, to uh, take care of those in the margins, uh, but had evil, <laughs> were selfish in their acts. You know, basically in Amos 5, you have the text open, right? What, yeah, I do. What's it, what's it say, man? So this is in Amos chapter 5, uh, in starting in verse 21. It says, I hate, I reject your festivals. I don't enjoy your joyous assemblies 
If you bring me your entirely burned offerings and gifts of food, I won't be pleased. I won't even look at your offerings of well-fed animals. Take away the noise of your songs. I won't listen to the melody of your harps, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Wow, man. I love that text, first of all. Because, first of all, it, it, the fact that God would hate... Mm. <laughs> like, are there times where we gather together, we sing or we worship, we pray... But in this particular text, it reveals that there are certain times where people do that and God drops the mic and says, man, not only do you sound terrible, <laughs> but this isn't pleasing to me, you know. Um, and so there are instances in Scripture where it talks about God not receiving mm. And not accepting the sacrifices or the religious acts that people participate in. And it always seems to go back to the intent or it, it always seems to go back to why you do what you do. Mm. I mean, do you, do you think, uh, I mean, looking at Amos, yeah. why do you think God, with these particular people, why was God specifically not really pleased with their religious acts? Yeah. Well, and, and you know, to kind of go back to our, our Hebrews text as well, yeah. uh, Amos brings up this this dual idea of justice and righteousness, just mm-hmm. like uh, mm-hmm. is brought up in Hebrews. And uh, you, you set it up well when you started talking about Amos, is that the people, uh, and, and this is true throughout most of the prophets, is that they are uh, neglecting people, they're mistreating groups mm-hmm. of people, mm-hmm. they have systems set up to oppress or marginalize groups of people so that yeah. other people can benefit. Yeah. And uh, they're looking for, you know, economic or social status uh, mm-hmm. and they're leaving people behind. Mm-hmm. And if you read, uh, you know, talking about our, our year long reading plan that always fails <laughs> when we get to like Exodus, numbers, numbers. Numbers, numbers, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, all throughout those laws are case laws, are uh, laws where God is trying to say, uh, if there is this group of people among mm-hmm. you, you must mm-hmm. take care of them. Yeah. Uh, well, even yeah. if they're not, uh, even if they're a stranger, uh, if they're an alien, if they're mm-hmm. a foreigner, uh, even those yeah. people you have to take care of. And so even amongst their own people uh, in Amos, mm-hmm. the, the Israelites, the people of God are neglecting others. They're, uh, they're, they're intentionally doing things uh, that will lead to some people's harm yeah. and other people's yeah. benefit. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, and you mentioned Hebrews 11, you know, bringing us back to this particular text. What, and about faith, right? Faith and Abel are linked together. Somehow, in some way, Hebrews 11 links them together. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. What do you think we can learn about faith through Abel? You know, based on all this stuff we talked about, Genesis chapter 4, Amos chapter 5. I, I don't know, man. Like, where does the rubber meet the road? What can we learn about faith through the example and life of Abel? Yeah. Well, I think uh, as we think about our lives, and it's interesting mm-hmm. that we're having this conversation on the day that we're having it. Uh, it happens to be Ash Wednesday, oh, uh, which yes. is uh, a day in Christianity where uh, we are meant to remind one another that we are frail. Uh, oh, that wow. we are not eternal. Yes. Uh, that we will pass away and die. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, it, you know, in, in our culture, uh, there's there's a simultaneously there's a fear uh, of death, a kind of a shunning of death. You know, mm-hmm. you know we push that off. We we let professionals take care of that. It happens mm-hmm. in hospitals or mm-hmm. uh, hospice beds. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there's funeral homes so that we don't have to deal with the bodies mm-hmm. uh, of our, mm-hmm. our of our loved ones when they pass away. You know, mm-hmm. so there's simultaneously a fear of death, but there's also a knowledge yes. uh, that everyone is going to die. 
Yes. Uh, and yes. Uh, so in some ways that, that feeds into the fear yes. because if everyone's going to die, that means I'm going to die and, <laughs> and I don't want to die. And so now I've got to work all that much harder to try and avoid it and, and get yes. away from it. Yes. So all that's going on uh, in, in our world uh-huh. uh, today, but it's been true forever for all of history mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to die. That's true. Uh, There's two things for sure, death and taxes. That's right. Yeah. And uh, reminder, uh, it's February now, but April's coming. Uh, oh, so yeah. That's right. That, that, means, <laughs> uh, that means Easter, but it also means tax season. That's right. And they'll, they'll get you, man. They'll get you. Especially here in Dallas, man. That's they'll right. get you. That's right. So, uh, so, so when we think about this idea of uh, Abel's faith, mm-hmm. uh, even though he's dead, mm-hmm. what, what I would say would be encouraging to me or yeah. – I hope it's encouraging to me. I, th- I yes. think it is. Uh, yes. Maybe it is to others as well. But is the idea that w- there is a, a, a way to live beyond your death. Mm. Now, mm. Uh, uh, an exercise that can lead to some levels of depression is, uh, you know, can you name your uh, great-grandmother or great-great-grandmother? <laughs> and if you can't, then what yeah. do you think your great-great-grandchildren are going to be able to do with you? Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, they might not be able to to name you either, but Abel uh, is specifically commended for his faith, uh, even though he dies. Yes. And all throughout the Bible, uh, and this is part of what Hebrews chapter 11 is trying to push us towards, is Mm -hmm. that there have been these heroes of the faith that have helped lead uh, from one generation to the next, faithfulness in God, uh, passing the story on. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I love Mm -hmm. some of the stories in the Gospels, Mm -hmm. because uh, there are people who are unnamed. Oh, yes. And yet, they have uh, their, play. their yeah. yeah, their story continues to live on. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Jesus uh, will, will say to someone, you know, daughter, your faith has healed you. Yes. Now go uh, and, and live a life worthy of the gospel. You know, now go live in peace, you know. I love it. And I love it. Uh, perhaps the message is the same to us, uh, that even that. if we are unnamed in the grand scheme of history, you mm-hmm. know, 2,000 mm-hmm. years from now, yes. people aren't going to remember Jake Jacobson. I mean, that, <laughs> no one's going to remember me in 2,000 years. Maybe. Uh, Who knows, man? <laughs> Let's die. Uh, we, we don't know. Yeah. But my, my job, our job, our, our task is simply to be faithful and help pass the story, yeah. uh, help, help the story uh, to, to the next generation, to the next people who come behind us, the people. Exactly. Uh, and, and so by, by faith, Abel is able to do this. I love uh, it, man. And that it, makes it, our decisions important. Like it, this, this right there, it motivates us to use our life wisely mm. and to, to, cho- to choose to do things that will leave a legacy because we know that it will live on. I had this crazy experience that happened to me when I was uh, at ACU in grad school. And that, this experience really taught me this very lesson about the importance of the decisions that we make and how it could impact the future generations, how we treat people, how we love people, or how we honor others. It can affect our great-grandchildren, even though they don't, don't, don't know our name per se, our legacy, almost like Abel, can live on, and our choices now matter. Because when I was uh, at ACU uh, at, for grad school, Tara, well, Ke- she was pregnant with Kellen, and I didn't have a job. And uh, I was second year grad school, and so I said, man, I got to get a job. If I'm going to have a son, I better, you know, get a paycheck, you know. And so what I decided, there were some churches around the area of Abilene that all were looking for youth ministers and, you know, preachers. And there was a church in Holly, Texas. And this, it's about 20 miles, 20 minutes or so north in between Anson and Abilene. And there was a church there that was looking for a youth minister. And it just so happened that this job had a paycheck, but also came with free housing because there was a parsonage on the property. And so it was very 
sought after. There was lots of applicants that wanted this because it was a, a great position, a youth minister, uh, house included. And so I put my name in the ring, and uh, to my surprise, I made it to the final two and had an interview with the, with the committee. And even more to my surprise, I got the job. Uh, and there was a lot of applicants, and I was so surprised, man. Man, I must have really impressed them on my interview. My resume must have been like really awesome, or maybe just my charisma just won me this job. And I was like, man, I'm, I was patting myself on the back and said, man, I'm kind of a big deal. You know, here I am getting the <laughs> job, you know, highly sought after, get this job. So a couple months go by, and I begin to become friends with the people on the search committee. And so I was able to be honest and say, hey, you know, I really appreciate you getting me this job. You know, I just had a curiosity. What was it about me that put me over the edge? I know there's a lot of people in this that wanted this job. But what, what, what about me, you know, put me over the edge and, and really convinced you that I was the right person for this job? And I remember one of them said, oh, it was nothing about you. In fact, the other candidates actually had a better resume and they interviewed better. I was like, well, well why did you give me the job? And the, one of the guys said, I knew your grandfather mm. and your grandfather gave me a loan on a handshake many years ago. And I've never forgotten what your grandfather did. And if you're half the man that your grandfather was, we're in the right, we're, you're in the right place. Mm -hmm. Wow. Oh man, it had nothing to do with me. It was just it was my granddad. So then there was another guy on the committee. A couple of weeks later, I said, "Hey," because I was you know curious. Hey, what about me? <laughs> put me over the edge. Like what was about me that put me above the other candidates? And the same thing happened. He said, "Oh, it wasn't about you." <laughs> he said, "There were there were better candidates. They interviewed better." I said, "Well, why did I get the job?" And this guy said, "I knew your dad. Your dad was a youth minister in Anson." when I was a kid. And if you're half the man that your dad was, we're in good hands. Hmm. So it taught me, these are decisions that my grandfather had made to treat someone with kindness and respect or to treat someone with love and kindness. My father the same way, lived a certain way. And that, little did they know that years, decades in the future, their decisions would impact whether I could put food on the table. <laughs> for their, their future grandchild, you know? Yeah. Uh, but that's really, I think, almost testament to this idea that Abel, the decisions that we make, it can have impact later on in our life. Yeah, wow. You know, I, I, I wish that this was the end of the story because that would be, a, like, that'd be the best spot to end this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, it doesn't get any better. Like, the point has been made, right? Yeah, like, yeah. it doesn't get any better than that story right there of your grandfather and your father uh, Get me a job. Yeah, that's right. They got me a job. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, the story goes on. And so I've, yeah. I've got to ask you at least one more question, maybe two, uh, because uh, we've got some really fascinating things about the story still that uh, oh, we, yeah, haven't, we, haven't we haven't touched unearthed on, man. or uncovered. Yeah, we haven't so, touched it yet. Uh, number one, tell, yeah. tell me about Cain's response uh, when, when God lets him know, hey, you know, this is not the best sacrifice. Uh, you know, you're not the one uh, that, mm -hmm. that's honoring me. Uh, mm -hmm. Tell me about Cain's plan because he go, he he immediately uh, the way the text reads he goes into this plan and he goes out to the field with his brother and takes care of business. So tell me about yeah. his plan uh, and and what results uh, from it uh, and what do you think about this? Well, I mean, wasn't a good <laughs> wasn't a good response. That, that's good to hear. Uh, I'm glad glad to know that that's what you think. You know, murder is never a good idea. Let's just put that on the record. Yeah. That uh, seconded, <laughs> I give that a second. Yeah, I mean, I, I do believe you know some of these, especially in Genesis. There's so much symbolism behind 
the story here. There's so much symbolism. And uh, you know, we have this story of Cain uh, acting in anger and murdering Abel. And uh, you know, it, it really, I think in some ways, uh, the symbolism here proves that maybe there was some darkness, like that, the, the quote about sin lurking at the door. Uh, Abel's, sorry, Cain's response to this interaction murder, uh, it almost revealed a nature of the heart maybe that we didn't read about earlier in the story. Um, but yeah, that's my first response, mm-hmm. man. But I mean, uh, you asking that question makes me curious because yeah. you, uh, well, you have something that... Sure, I mean... yeah. <laughs> If it wasn't Cain and Abel, it was going to be somebody. Yeah, you're right. Similar, right. There had to be some murder sometime. Uh, yeah. at, at some point, it was going to happen. And so yeah. uh, the Bible deals with it right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. If we're talking about human history, like murder is going to happen at some point. And so here's the story yeah. of Cain and Abel. Here, here we go. Uh, let's talk about it right at the very beginning. Yes. And yes. Uh, uh, this kind of leads into the next part of the story, but I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what happens as a result, yes. I think, is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, God... Uh, puts a mark upon Cain. And, and oftentimes we, we view this as yeah. a punishment. Yeah. You know, cause of course God uh, banishes mm-hmm. uh, Cain mm-hmm. as well. You know, he, he has to leave. Yeah. Uh, he goes to a different part of the world and apparently there's people there. So that's unexplained yeah. Yeah. Uh, as well. But uh, uh, he leaves, but then there's this interesting conversation and interaction between God and Cain because Cain's like, mm-hmm. I can't bear this punishment. I can't bear it. Yes. Yes. Uh, and God gives Cain a promise. Which mm-hmm. I think is really interesting. I think it helps me understand uh, if we're talking about uh, a deeper purpose to this story. Yes, I think it's got to be mm-hmm. uh, what is God's response going to be to yes. our uh, mm-hmm. human violence, to the way that we kill yes. uh, one another, the ways that we treat one another. And so uh, later in the story, uh, it says uh, in verse fifteen that God says to Cain, "Whoever kills Cain shall suffer sevenfold vengeance." Oh yeah, uh, and seven so times over, uh, Cain he can't handle. Uh, the punishment of being sent away, uh, not being able to to do what he's always done, having to try try again in a new part of the world, and uh, we read this as a, as a punishment, as a curse. Uh, but I almost wonder if this is more of a promise. Mm, uh, yeah. And where Cain, uh, Cain has acted in violence, and the Lord is trying to put an end to it. God wow. is trying to end it. And he says, uh, "What ha- what Cain has done, no one else should do to Cain." I love that. This is not yeah. an eye for an eye kind of world. Exactly. Uh, so God new, says, "Yeah." Uh, the, my promise is that if anyone is to do this, they will even they'll have a worse yeah. fate. Uh, oh wow! Th- than this, and so uh, the point is to deter uh, future violence. Uh, God is oh, trying man. to give Cain a promise that I'm not going to take your life. You know, I'm not going to respond in the same way to you that you responded to your brother. Man, what a beautiful! I mean, we're four chapters in in the Bible. Four chapters. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not very. I mean, when you think about how many chapters there are, and already God is saying that the myth that Redemptive violence is a myth. Yeah. That violence to redeem an act or violence in response to a hurt or an injustice is not and never is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, which really, I mean, what an, what an impactful message today, right? Yeah. Because when we are wronged as an individually or, or as, a, as a collective, sometimes our response, well, let's get them back. Let's an eye for an eye, and sometimes even violence is justified to uh, for vengeance, to for revenge. Yeah. But four chapters in, where we read, it's never a good idea. The redemptive violence, violence to redeem something, is a myth. 
Yeah. It never happens. It never works. Yeah. So we've got we've got to deal with, uh, and this is going to be a totally inadequate because mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, the podcast is almost over, right? Oh, man, I'm having so much fun. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, this is going to be totally inadequate, but uh, I'll I'll touch on it. And if you want to hop in anywhere yeah. and yeah, and, uh, uh, help build up the the places that I don't build up enough and, mm-hmm. and that I leave behind, but because uh, at, at the same time, uh, if mm-hmm. we read the story this way, I mean, God still is saying, uh, "I will punish." Whoever takes your life seven times. Seven times over. Uh, yeah. So there is, okay, now, now we've got mm-hmm. another issue to deal with. You know, yeah. God has dealt with the, the issue of human violence, but mm-hmm. what about uh, divine violence? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that mm-hmm. comes up in this text as well. And, yes. Uh, it's interesting uh, because as you read the Old Testament, uh, another passage, vengeance is mine, mm-hmm. says the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so and all throughout the Old Testament, we, we seem to be getting these hints that uh, God will will wipe out humanity. That He will yeah. uh, He will exact revenge upon uh, sinful human beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and all throughout the Old Testament, we seem to be getting these these glimpses of this uh, violent deity, this mm-hmm. divine violence. Mm-hmm. But luckily, mm-hmm. uh, we get to the New Testament. Yes, and in the New yes. Testament, uh, when God decides to take His vengeance, it does not come in the form of uh, murder. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come in the form of genocide. Mm-hmm. It comes in the form of God willing to die rather than to kill. Sacrifice. Uh, and so God becomes the sacrifice through Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it, it, it's, it, and of course, that's a very, you know, I'm taking the story and condensing it way down and I'm oh, leaving man. a ton of stuff out. But uh, this is the grand story, right? Is that mm-hmm. if, if we think we've got a glimpse of a divine, mm-hmm. uh, a violent deity, mm-hmm. uh, all of a sudden Jesus comes on the scene and helps us understand, no, 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 no. This exactly. is what God is like. Man, I love that. And a couple of weeks ago, you gave a sermon, uh, and you quoted Brian Zahn mm-hmm. that Jesus reveals who God is. Yeah. Jesus has always been like God. Jesus is a picture of, of who God is. He's God's always been like Jesus, but yeah. little by little, hu- humanity we are catching that glimpse, and Jesus gives us that full glimpse of who God is. Yeah, yeah we didn't always know it. Didn't always know, but now we do. Yeah, now we do because of the life and teachings and the way of Jesus reveals in Jesus, you know, he is the perfect example of, of nonviolence in that, re- in that regard. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Do you want to add anything to that? Or? How could you add? That was, that's a <laughs> mic drop, brother. That's a mic drop. We can't add to that. And uh, I mean, what, I think what a fantastic way to, uh, you know, kind of put a cap on this conversation. Yeah. Um, and uh, about Cain and Abel, about faith. And we do have an, a live audience here. Uh, are there any comments or insults or uh, any anything that you want to say? Uh, Cain and Abel, faith, violence. This is very superficial. Okay. Lisa Mason, everybody. Lisa Mason in the house with Lisa, a superficial think, question. I think most of my comments are pretty superficial. <laughs> so bring it on. Yeah. Going back to Cain and Abel and if their sacrifices were pleasing or not. Mm-hmm. Have you ever smelled vegetables cooking? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, man. Meat is a lot more pleasing That's to right. smell than vegetables. That's right. Yeah. I know it doesn't fit with the uh, the story, uh, yeah. but, uh, man, if, if this was a, a plate of bacon, <laughs> I think we would all be pleased, and I think it's justifiable yeah, you're right. for God to be pleased. Yeah, you know? anytime someone makes bacon, the Lord says, well done, my good and faithful servant. <laughs> anytime bacon is served... Well done, good and faithful servant. That's right. I love uh, I love those Friday nights or something, especially during football season or, or uh, where you we walk outside and everybody in the neighborhood is grilling hamburgers mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, it just has that that sweet smell. Uh, that you know, superficial is not what that comment was. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> 
is what that comment was, Lisa Mason. Well, what a way to close out this podcast, uh, continuing the conversation, faith and able. I think uh, what a way to close it out. And may we be people of faith. Oh, yeah. May we be people who live by faith. May the decisions that we make uh, live on uh, because of the faith that we put into God. May the faith that we have be a verb. And uh, may we be faithful in the good times and the bad times of the promises of God. Yeah, that's right. Thanks for listening to us on continuing the conversation. And we'll be back again uh, next week uh, with a, another uh, opportunity uh, to deepen the conversation, to uh, talk about what it means to live by faith. And so we'll look forward to uh, seeing you again then. See you next week, friends.